Welcome to this week's edition of the Business of Innovation podcast. I am Jack Hirschman, and this week, an interview with marketeer Andy Brent. Having been the CMO of Barclays and also held incredibly senior marketing roles at Burger King, Boots, and B Sky B, he has a huge wealth of knowledge and experience that he shared with Hot Topics editor Tom Litton Dickey around what it takes to be a truly successful marketer. It also includes putting people's faces onto credit cards, by the way. Enjoy. So to start with, we spoke to uh, Jim Stengel, the former CMO of Procter & Gamble, quite recently. And he made a comment that he thinks half of all of today's CMOs are unfit to to do the role. What, what's Did your, he say which half? He didn't say which half. <laughs> what, what's your take on that? Well, I I, I think that's um, that feels like a big a very big very big number. Um, I mean, I think most CMOs that 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 you come across are certainly capable of doing the job to a certain level. I think there's a relatively small amount. That are genuinely capable of bringing significant strategic change to a to a business. So if Jim's talking about people who can do that type of you know genuinely game changing type of role, there probably aren't so many of those. An awful lot of the work that you'll see a lot of CMOs doing is is good work, but it's not really changing the game. It's you know implementing a plan that's broadly similar to what the plan was last year. It's uh, you know maybe making small changes of allocation between different channels depending on where the where the latest thinking is. It's managing the introduction of, of a few few new initiatives. I guess the real differentiators are the people who can find uh, genuine new strategic opportunities and then can not only implement that from a marketing point of view but can lead lead their businesses and genuinely get the business to internalise the sense of. Um, this is a new direction for us. This is why it's the right new direction from mm. a customer point of view. These are the things we all need to do in our different parts of the business to deliver that, and we're all going to pull together and you know create something really, really exciting. Sure. I mean, you, you represent some of the, the biggest brands in the world. I mean, to name Barclays, Burger King, Boots, and I think B Sky B as, as well, to name a few. How do you go into a, a company of that stature and a brand which is so well known and actually make a fundamental difference? Well, I think in all cases, um, it, it's important to remember that the fundamentals are always pretty much the same. The first thing you need to do is to be really clear about who are our consumers. So, which, and that's often not as not as obvious as as it as it might appear. Um, often, big businesses like that will sort of think everybody's our, our customer. So, we've, we've basically got to go out there and grab as many, you know, as big a slice of everybody's pie as we can. In my opinion, that's often a that's often a mistake. Mm. And, one of the first things that you need to do in any job like that is to get is to really drill down into saying, so who is it that we're really building this business this business for? If you can get really clear on that, you'll usually find your core uh, customer, the people that growth is going to come from, are probably a smaller group than you'd really thought, and you'll probably find your proposition is somewhat suboptimized for that group. Why is it suboptimized? Because you've been kind of spreading by trying try to attract everybody so you're probably doing a less good job for that core group than you than you could be mm. so define that really define that core group work out what it is that they want and then develop the strategies necessary both to develop propositions that will get that group excited and then to develop marketing programs that will connect with them bring that message mm. to them in a really um, you know powerful way sure and I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of discussion around creating one customer journey now, given the, the various channels that a business engages with its customers. How can marketing s- support that? Well, I, I think by, um, by being uh, the people who really see it as their role to bring the customer into the, into the heart of the business 
to all, to all parts of the business. So, so for example, one of the things that we did when I was at, at Barclays, which was, you know, not rocket science, but incredibly powerful, was we took the NPS measure mm. and we took that uh, into the business, not just as an overall um, uh, satisfaction measure for the business, but, but we took the measure across the 50 most important uh, processes in the company. That was transformational because suddenly for the first time you had people running relatively specialised pieces of the banking business who were starting to get a real sense of, is my little sub-bit of the business doing a good job for customers or is it not? And if it isn't, why not? What are the elements of my process that are, that are, that are let, let, letting me down? So that, you know, that one example suddenly brought, effectively brought the customer, brought a customer understanding right into the heart of the business. And that enabled us then to understand of all the 50,000 things we could do, these four or five or six things, they're the really important things that, that we've got to get, got to get right. Mm. And often those things were not the obvious, uh, the obvious uh, touch points that you might think would be the most sure. important ones. I suppose it seems that at the moment it's not or companies are being forced to think wider than their own sector in terms of competition, at least around customer experience, for example. Banks aren't competing with other banks. Companies like Uber are assessing the standards for what customers expect. Yeah. As a marketer, how do you try and stay on top, therefore, of, of all the possible innovations you yeah. can use? I mean, I think that's really useful for, for marketers. Often one of the problems that you have if you go into a big business like a Boots or a Sky or a Barclays yeah. is because those businesses have been fairly dominant in their sectors, it's quite easy for the people within those businesses to think we're doing a pretty good job. You know, We're pretty successful. Nothing bad's happening. We're doing a pretty good job. Often, marketers will, will struggle about getting the organisation to recognise they could do better or they need to change. One of the ways to do that is to, is to draw comparisons with other sectors and to say, well, OK, we are doing pretty well if we compare ourselves with our immediate competitors, but compare our levels of satisfaction or, or advocacy to Apple or to Uber or to whatever it might be, yeah. and suddenly you'll say, my goodness, we're miles behind where we could be. That can be a really big galvanising Thing for the for the for the rest of the organisation to suddenly move from saying we're, we're pretty much okay to actually you know we're nowhere near as good as we could be and associated with that if we don't work out how to get to that level of, of satisfaction or advocacy or whatever it might be one of these days somebody else will and then we'll get you know they'll they'll, they'll eat our lunch and within the, the banking sector specifically mm-hmm. how did you drive innovation in, in your marketing strategies given your face with uh, I suppose an uncommon amount of regulation versus other sectors. Well, again, just no real great magic, just really, really drilling down into what is it that consumers really, really want from us. So one of the big insights that came out of the time that I was at Barclays was it wasn't a Barclays-specific thing, but we did a big piece of work to understand how consumers generally saw banks. And as yeah. you might imagine, you know, they didn't like them very much. And in particular, um, consumers felt that when you do business with banks, unlike businesses in other sectors... It feels like you're doing business on the bank's terms. So if you want a mortgage, you know, you have to go through the process that, that they've laid down. And at some point, they'll come along and tell you whether you've got the mortgage or not. But it's a transaction. You know, there's no real sense of the bank really cares whether I get a great house and whether I'm happy when I move in and whether I've, everything goes smoothly. Mm. This is a transactional relationship. And we came to understand that the big opportunity for banks was to move on from that type of relationship into saying, you know, you're not just an account number to us, you're a person. And, you know, the money that we're talking to you about is actually your money. It's not our money, it's your money. Therefore, mm-hmm. this relationship needs to be built around your needs rather than our needs. And we, we came up with a way of describing that was 
we have to change the relationship from a bank-shaped relationship to a U-shaped relationship. And once we had that conceptual idea, that, which is quite a challenging idea actually, hold on, you mean I've got to be able to operate so that for all of our, our different needs we can meet them all? That's really tough, isn't it? Yeah. We started to find, once you gave that challenge to the, to the business, against the expectations, they suddenly started coming up with really smart ideas, some technology ideas, some um, just conventional banking ideas that were quite revolutionary and, and, were, and made consumers feel you know, this, this, you know, this feels like it's about me, not about the, not about the bank. I'll, just, I'll give you two examples of that, just, yeah. to, just to bring it to life. Um, one is, um, you, you probably know the, um, the money transfer system, Ping It. Yep. You, so that was, that was an idea that, that came out of that originally, that said, how do we make this much, much easier? So quite a, and quite a clever piece of technology, and you know, was, was, a big, was a big deal at the time. But the, another um, idea, which is nothing like as clever, but incredibly powerful, which came out of that, was personalised uh, debit cards. So rather than, you know, if you get, in most cases, if you get your debit card out of your wallet, uh, it's got a bank on it. Well, why is that? You know, it's not the bank's, it's your money that's, that's in there. Why is your, why's your debit card got the bank's picture on it? Mm. So we said, you know, that's ridiculous. Why, you know, why can't it have you on it or your girlfriend or your football team or your dog or whatever you want to have on it? Yeah. And that simple change, you say to people, look, if you want to have anything you like on it, you can, because it's yours, it's not ours, it's yours, was an incredibly powerful way to say to consumers, we want a different sort of relationship with you. It's not going to be about, I get my debit card out and it's, oh, it's Barclays and everybody is Barclays. It's, you know, you know this, is, this is Andy's and that's different from, you know, his and hers and those sorts of things can make a big difference. Mm. A bit of a long-winded answer, but it just, just is, go to the customer, really understand what is it the customers want? Be prepared to be self-critical, and then really be, find ways to get the organisation to think differently about how you can deliver that. And to take the, the ping it example, yeah, um, we, we spoke to Derek White, who I think yeah, led yeah, the, well, he was absolutely yeah. driving that stuff, yeah, and, and he spoke about the time from ideation yeah. through to execution was, yeah. I think, ridiculously quick. How can big companies start? acting more agile and more like startups to, to push things through? Well, I, can't, I still come back to saying one of the things that they need to do is to get really clear on what it is that consumers want them to do before they start work. Why is that important? For two reasons. One, because if you're really clear what consumers want, then the people who are doing the development work are, are laser beam focused on what, what problem they're trying to solve, and that's important. But there's a second reason. The second reason is the thing that slows companies up usually is not the actual time it takes to do stuff. It's managing all the politics of, you know, well, I'm not sure that doesn't sound right and I'm a bit uncomfortable with this idea of transferring money and will it really, and all the rest of it. Mm. And the most effective way to steer those conversations through an organisation is to say, this is not about my opinion or your opinion, this is what the consumer wants. Here's the data that tells us it's what the, it's what the consumer wants or the customer wants. And that's such a powerful way to get an organisation to go, Okay, do you know what? Let's stop arguing about it because actually it doesn't matter what I think or you think. Mm. This is really clearly saying this is what the consumer wants. Mm. So let's get out of the road and let Derek and his you know team of really cool, smart guys drive this idea through. Not because Derek's come up with it and he's super smart, but because it's what the consumer wants. So for those two reasons, I think that's the way you get you can get speed even in big big organisations. And, and during your time at Barclays, clearly it was yeah. um, simultaneous to the rise of, of fintech. Yeah. What, what were the conversations internally? Was it one of 
being wary? Was it excitement? How did you see Barclays think about how he wanted to engage with, with the fintech ecosystem? I mean, really excitement. I mean, the, probably the retail bank um, particularly, um, the, uh, well, not, I mean, Barclay Card as well, I think it was probably, probably true to say, had um, CEOs who were very excited about the potential for technology in the banking sector. Ashok Baswani, who uh, was running yep. and still is running Barclays, is that he just is re- a real, really passionate about the potential for technology to change banking. Would often be the guy that would pick up the really hot new idea before anybody else and would come into the office and say, "Hey guys, have you seen this? It's really amazing. You can do this, this, and this." this. So there was a real passion from the top. So it wasn't seen as it wasn't at all seen as this is a threat. It was a challenge, but not a threat. You know, this is a positive thing. This is good for us. This is good for the consumer. We've got to be the people that get on top of this first. And then when you put that attitude at the very top of the business, together with the resource to give people like Derek teams and and you know to, to drive these things through quickly. And you know, I'm sure Derek will have told you not bogged down in one particular division of the business, but operating uh, independently, if you like. That combination, high-level advocacy from the very top of the business, and then a group that was focused on delivering this stuff fast, that's a pretty good model, I think. Mm. And that's the last question. To, to talking about marketing technology specifically, are there areas of innovation that you saw or continue to see that you're particularly excited about? Yes. I mean, there is one that I think is a huge, huge opportunity under developed massively important which is neuroscience and really starting to understand how the brain works because mm. the i think one of the big risks for business generally is that as we are able to accumulate more and more and more and more data we become more and more and more rational in the way that we analyze and run our businesses and Actually, you know, most of the decisions that are ever taken by consumers and most of the preferences they have are not driven rationally. They're driven emotionally and subconsciously by, uh, if you're a devotee of Daniel Kahneman and all the clever stuff that's gone in the last 10 years, by our system one, our our subconscious brains. And um, business generally hasn't really got its head around that yet. The businesses that first start to embrace Actually, most of our decisions are not taken in this super rational way. They're taken subconsciously and often emotionally. Mm. Now, how do we apply that to our businesses? You know, how do we develop a relationship with our customers if we're a bank that is not just about I can give you a quarter point more on this and I can actually, you can get through my website in 1.5 clicks fewer, which is all nice rational stuff. Mm. But actually, we've, we've started to understand psychologically how you feel about the bank and emotionally how you need to feel. And we've developed a business where, without even realising it, this just feels right to you. You know, so that I think is is hugely important. You're beginning to see it talked about, but I think businesses are only scratching the surface. Andy, thank you very much. Cool. That's all we've got time for this week, unfortunately, and I would like to thank you very much for listening. Now, if you can't wait for next week's episode, I'd like you to head over to hottopics.ht for more content just like this. Thanks. Goodbye.